Today I want to talk to you for a few moments about a message entitled, Why Impossibilities? Why Impossibilities? It's been an incredible series where we've talked about how by God's grace and power we can overcome and conquer things like addiction and anxiety. So we've talked about how we can overcome and we've talked about what we can overcome. And I want to talk to us for a few moments today about why. Why face and overcome impossibilities? Because you might be saying, you know, Pastor, we went through an impossibility a couple of years ago and it was a financial challenge and we were struggling and we hit rock bottom and then God helped us overcome the impossibility. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been a little bit better if God would have helped us avoid the impossibility all together in the first place. I mean, can't God be like a good helicopter parent once in a while and clear the way and smooth the path? Why? Why is an important question. Why can be a game-changing question. I think about when my wife was pregnant with our three kids and she had morning sickness with all three kids. I don't know who decided to call it morning sickness, okay? It's false advertising because she was sick morning, noon, afternoon, all night. Come on, moms, anybody can relate? Can we give it up for our moms for a second? God bless all the moms. But she was sick and we were trying to conquer this morning sickness. And I was driving around and buying all the food she was craving and avoiding the smells. Y'all know. But I'll tell you what really helped get through that was when we would go visit the doctor and they would show us the why. They would hook up the ultrasound and say, look at this little baby and the fingernails and the toenails that are developing and listen to the heartbeat. The pain didn't necessarily go away, but remembering and focusing on the why made all the difference in the world. Is there a purpose in the pain? I think we're going to see through scripture, absolutely. God never wastes our pain. Aren't you grateful that we serve a God that doesn't waste our pain? And so today we're going to look in a famous passage of scripture, well known in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, three of Jesus' closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and an impossible situation that they face. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me in John chapter 11. Starting in verse one, it says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And from this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at three uh, reasons and, and three reasons why we go through impossibilities and what God can do in and through our lives. Because I really believe that impossible situations and challenges that we face are divine opportunities for three things. And the first one is proximity. Every challenge that we face 
is an opportunity to draw us closer in relationship to God. And we know Jesus never promised us that life would always be easy. I mean, think about this. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary are some of his best friends. I mean, he would go to their house in Bethany, and Martha would cook probably her grandma's famous gumbo recipe. That's how I like to imagine it. And then Mary would sit there and listen. I tell my kids, if you ever find somebody that's a good cook and can listen, marry them. And Jesus loved them, and they loved Jesus. But friends, being a friend of Jesus doesn't necessarily exempt us from going through challenges and hardship. Jesus never said that. In fact, in John 16, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's important because if we don't know this, when challenges come, when impossibilities come, we can often think that it's because we're not close enough to God or because God's not pleased with us and nothing could be further from the truth because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't say we wouldn't have trouble, but he said, I'll be near to you, I'll be with you in the storm, in the trial, in the impossibility. And so proximity is so important because impossibilities are invitations to greater intimacy and closer friendship with Jesus. And after all, isn't that the main point of life, friendship with God? To walk in close relationship with God? And so why impossibilities? One of the reasons and one of the things God can use impossibilities for is to draw us closer to him. Now I think about when my kids were young. When they were young, you couldn't get away from them in the house, all right? They were all over the place. You come home from work, you drive up, you hear them screaming in the house, they run outside. But now we have teenagers. And you can go hours without a teenager sighting in my house. I'm like, Sarah, are the kids here? Yes, one's in the back room doing homework, one's talking to a friend. So we're in the same house, but not close in proximity. And so I have some friends that like to camp. Anybody like to camp out? Outdoorsmen and outdoors women. And they said, you got to take your son camping. And I said, I'm not really a camping kind of guy, okay? Because if the outdoors are so good, how come all the bugs are trying to get in my house? Okay, that's how I look at it. But they told me, you have to take your son camping. And so about a year ago, I got all set up and I took my son Elijah camping and look, we live kind of in the city. We're city, city people. And so we went out here. We got the little tent set up and everything was great. And then the sun went down. And I heard sounds I know not of. And man, we got real close. What is that? I don't know. I think it's a pack of wolves. Might be a mountain lion. Let's look. Oh, it's a raccoon. We'll zip up the tent. Let's stay close together. But isn't that how we can be in our relationship with God? When everything's comfortable, we don't necessarily always think how close we are to God. But when we get into a situation that's uncomfortable, all of a sudden, where's God now? Where's God? We need him close. I'm quite sure when Lazarus was healthy, he couldn't wait to see Jesus when he came back through town. 
Maybe when he got a little sick, he wasn't too worried. But when the situation became impossible, where's Jesus? We need Jesus. Find Jesus. We need him here, right here, right now. And so why impossibilities? Impossibilities are a divine invitation to greater intimacy and proximity in our relationship with God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God loves it when we draw near to him in our time of need. And let me ask you this question. Are you allowing the challenges in your life, the relational struggles, the financial stresses, maybe the health crises, to drive you closer to God? Or are you going about it on your own? Proximity. Friends, pain and problems have a way of getting our attention. I like what classic author and theologian C.S. Lewis said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. When we allow the impossibilities of life to draw us closer to God, it redeems the challenging seasons. And it helps us face them with a fresh perspective and fresh hope. And I hope and pray, my, my main hope and prayer for all of us is that we will not just barely know God, but we will grow to be such close friends of God that we will walk with him and talk with him and get to know him as a best friend as we go through the ups and downs in life. Reminds me of an elderly man. I heard a story of an elderly man who was near the end of his life and he was at the hospital and his adult daughter would come and visit him. And whenever she came to visit him, there was a chair pulled up next to the hospital bed. And one day she asked him, she said, Dad, why do you always have an empty chair by the hospital bed? And he said, well, as a young man, someone taught me that prayer is as simple as talking to a best friend. And so I pull up the chair and I imagine Jesus sitting in the chair and I talk with him and I connect with him. We walk in proximity together. And then one day, his adult daughter receives a call from the hospital. Your dad passed away peacefully last night. So she rushed over to the hospital. As she was walking to the room, the doctor stopped her and said, I just want to say what a great man your father was. It was an honor to take care of him. It was an honor to get to know him. And he said, but there was something kind of funny. When he passed and I went in the room, he didn't pass with his head laying on the hospital bed, but his head was rested on a chair next to the bed. That's a man who learned in the ups and downs of life to lean into God. Friends, many of you have a closer relationship with God because you didn't let your pain make you bitter, but it made you better, and you ran into the arms of God. And please don't tell me. I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm facing an impossible situation and nothing's happening. Something is happening. You're praying, you're praying, you're drawing near, you're crying out to God. And doesn't that make it all worth it from an eternal perspective? So number one, proximity. Number two, purpose. Purpose. They sent for Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love is sick. And in verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, 
that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, there's purpose to your pain. There's purpose to your pain. God's saying, I don't waste this pain. I know he's sick. I know he's dying. But this is not going to end in death. It's for the glory of God. Can you do me a favor at all of our campuses and just look at your neighbor and say, there's purpose to your pain. There's purpose to your pain. And look to your other neighbor and say, God doesn't waste your pain. God won't waste our pain. Glorifying God is simple. It just means to realize how great God is. The greatness of God. Glorify God to realize his greatness. And it's easy when we go through challenging situations to forget and lose sight of how great our God is. That he's our creator. He's our savior. He loves us. He's for us. He brings peace in the storm. It's easy to lose sight of how great God is. And God can use every single situation, every challenge, every impossibility to show us and others how great he is. Even in our grief, he can comfort us and people can see how great our God is. But God wants us and everyone around us to see and understand how great he is. And as I said, I'm not a big outdoors guy, but I have just a couple stories, and I'll give you my second and last story about the outdoors. But I was taking my family one day hiking, and we were walking through this trail in the woods. And we went through this trail, and we, and we popped out, and there was this huge river, and this rushing river. We were all by ourselves, and we start hearing people yelling for help. Help, help, help. I'm like, where's the lifeguard? But we're out in the middle of nowhere, you know? And so we start going to this river. It's a wide river, and there's three people in the middle of the river floating down, screaming for help. So with no one around, we head towards the river, and I start taking my phone out and my watch off and my shoes off, and I jump in the river. And I swim out into the middle of the river, and I meet up with these three people, and I'm able to swim them safely back to shore. Can you see why I wanted to fit this story in? It felt good, okay? Okay, it felt good. I just got to be honest. I got them back to shore, and they were thanking me. And honestly, this is what I loved about the story. My three children and my wife were there to see it all, okay? And I'm just thinking in my mind, just honestly, I'm like, they're going to remember this the rest of their lives, you know? They're going to be speeches years from now. Our dad, he loved people. And one time he risked his whole life to save strangers. And I'm like, this is great. They're going to realize how great I am, finally. So we get up. I say, thank you. It's my pleasure. Be safe. No problem. We'll see you later. And we start walking off. And my daughter goes, Dad, that was so embarrassing. (laughs) Who swims with their socks on? Come on, Dad. (laughs) But God's a great God. How many of you believe God's a great God? Even if we don't see it, even if we don't feel it, he's a great God. And we want to keep that in perspective. I love what Pastor Steve says. He says, when we're following God, nothing happens to us. It only happens for us. God can redeem anything for his glory. And that's really the purpose of life is to glorify God, to let God use our lives 
to show us and others how great he is. We even see that in John chapter 9. The disciples said, Jesus, who sinned that this man would be born blind, him or his parents? Jesus said, nobody sinned. It's for the glory of God that the power of God can be displayed. And you may not know how in the world God is going to use the challenge you're facing for his glory, but I promise you, he can. He can, and he will. Maybe you got stabbed in the back by someone. Maybe you got deeply betrayed and hurt. God can use that for his glory. And I just feel like many of you have already allowed the pain in your life to glorify God. The pain in your childhood, you've allowed it to glorify God. Again, you haven't gotten bitter. You haven't turned on God, but you've turned to God. And I believe God is saying, thank you. Continue to let your life glorify God. There's nothing better than to walk closely with God and to let our lives glorify him in the ups and even in the downs. The third and final point this morning is perspective. Perspective. After they send word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. When he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Can you imagine being the messenger and coming back to Martha and Mary? Hey, did you find Jesus? We found him. Did you tell him the one he loves is sick? Yes, we told him. By the way, the name Lazarus literally means the one God helps. That's what the name means. Did you find Jesus? Did you tell him that the one he loves, the one God helps, is sick? We found him. We told him. Where is he? Well, he said he loves him. It's not going to end in death. So he's staying behind. And let me encourage you for a moment. If what you're going through is not adding up, it's not making sense, keep on reading. Don't put a period where God put a comma. God's delays are not God's denials. God is not doing nothing. He's always up to something. Don't believe that. Because in the midst of our challenging seasons, our trials, isn't it so easy to lose perspective? They had lost perspective. Maybe Jesus doesn't care. Maybe he's too busy. But that's never true. Just because we don't see him moving and see him working doesn't mean he doesn't love us, doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. Just because he hasn't answered your prayer yet doesn't mean he doesn't have a great plan and a great purpose and that he's not going to answer your prayer. It's perspective. I think about the old poem, Footprints in the Sand. Anybody remember Footprints in the Sand? Person was looking back over their life and they said it was like two sets of footprints in the sand. And they said, God, when I look over my life, I see that you were walking with me because there's two sets of foot, footprints in the sand. But as I look back over my life, I noticed that in the challenging seasons, in the difficult times, when I was crying out for help, 
when I felt all alone, there was only one set of footprints. And God, based on my limited perspective, I've concluded that I was alone. You left me. You abandoned me in my time of need. And that's what I felt back then. And that's what it looks like right now. And God said, oh, no, no, no. That's not the right perspective. I didn't abandon you in your time of need. It was in your darkest hour and your times of need that I was carrying you through it. That set of footprints was my footprints. We can't go by what we see and feel because we have such a limited perspective, don't we? But in the midst of the impossibilities, God wants to help us have a clearer perspective of his goodness, of his love, of his power in our lives. You know, when I think about Lazarus, it just didn't make sense. He's sick. Jesus, you're a healer. Come heal your friend. But he waits two more days. And the Bible says eventually he comes to Bethany, the little town two miles away from Jerusalem. And as he enters into the town, let's see how the sisters respond. This is in verse 20. It says, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Isn't it interesting how we can respond differently to disappointments? Martha said, Jesus is in town. I got a bone to pick with him. Mary said, I don't want to talk to him. But Jesus can handle our real, honest disappointments, frustration. He can handle them. And watch what he does. So Mary, as soon as she heard, she went out. Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so it appears that Martha lost her perspective in the midst of her pain. She lost her perspective. If you'd have been here, Jesus, you could have healed him. Jesus, you're a healer and you're a friend, but you weren't here. And now it's over. Watch what Jesus says. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. See, they were relating to Jesus as a healer. You could have healed my brother, but he's dead and it's over. And interestingly, in that culture, they believed that the first three days, the spirit would hover over the body. But by the fourth day, it was gone and, and all hope was lost. That's not true, by the way. That was a superstition. I just want to be clear. So Jesus comes back and Lazarus has been dead for four days. Martha says, you weren't here. It's over. You could have come and healed him. But what does Jesus say? He adjusts her perspective. Martha, you're relating to me as a healer. But I haven't just conquered sickness and disease. I'm also the resurrection and the life. I have conquered death itself. And you're about to see my greatness in a more powerful way than you've ever seen before. It was a setup for a greater perspective. And people were whispering, wasn't Jesus his friend? Didn't he love them? Couldn't he have healed this man? He healed a blind man. Couldn't he have healed Lazarus? Then Jesus shows up. 
and he weeps and their perspective changes. Wow, he loved Lazarus. Look at his empathy. Then he says, roll the stone away. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And it changed their perspective forever. Their perspective was never the same. When we go through challenges and possibilities, it's an opportunity for God to adjust our perspective so we can see how great he is, how loving he is, how kind he is. We may not see it in the moment. Again, maybe you have a difficult family situation that's got you up at night. You may not see it in the moment, but keep walking, keep pressing into God. Maybe something in business has gone south. Maybe there's a major obstacle. When we don't see God move, especially in our timing, it can be difficult. But we can trust God that he's a good God. One situation that I went through, and uh, I know many of you are aware of this, that helped me adjust my perspective of how great God is and his provision is actually uh, the building we meet in for church on the South Shore, our West Esplanade campus. It was a movie theater, and in 2013, it shut down. And we were praying at a Friday night prayer and worship, and we felt like, that building's ours. And I was so bold to say, let's move this whole prayer meeting to the theater, and let's pray over the over the theater and believe God that that's going to be our church home. We felt like that theater needed to be a church. So we go over there. We pray these bold prayers of faith. Everybody says, Pastor, we believe this is the Lord. This is God's plan. And based on our great faith, two weeks later, it was sold to a developer. <laughs> and we were scratching our heads. God, we thought we heard from you. God, did we miss it? And so we kept calling the developer. Hey, would you sell us the theater? We think it's a church. Would you sell us the theater? We were renting locations and years went by and the building got worse and worse. It was abandoned. All kind of critters and asbestos and mold, everything you can think of. I have a picture. It's not going to encourage your soul, but I'll throw it up here for a moment. This is, this is what it looked like. Four or five years go by, and the mayor at the time starts publicly saying, I want to thank the city for prioritizing the demolition of the old theater. And so they pulled the permits, they set a date, and they were going to demolish the building. All the while, we're praying, we feel like it's ours, we're calling the owner, the owner stops calling us back. It seemed dead. It seemed over. It wasn't happening in our timing. And then out of the blue, at the last minute, the owner calls us and says, I was talking with my partners, and if you guys are still interested, make us an offer. So we purchased the theater. We renovate it. And in the middle of COVID, when everything is shutting down and so much hope is lost, we have a grand opening of a beautiful new church home. And here's a picture of our church home. We thought it was dead. We thought it was over. But it's not over till God says it's over. That dream in your heart's not dead. God can breathe on it. That child, that grandchild that's so far from God, stuck in addiction, it's not dead. Because he's the resurrection and the life. And we told everybody, this is just a building, but this is a picture of what our God can do 
in every area of your life. He is the resurrection and the life and nothing is too far gone. What is my heart for you today? My heart for you today is in the midst of the trials and impossibilities of life that you won't lose your hope. You won't lose your faith. You'll recognize that there's a purpose in the pain. And as you draw near to God, and as you realize that he loves you, but in this world we have trouble and tribulation, but he's using it for his glory and your good, and he's gonna bless people even around you. May not make sense now, but he's able. And so let me pray for you if I can. God, we thank you that you're such a good God and you're able to use even the most difficult and painful situations and seasons in our lives to draw us closer in relationship with you for your glory. And Lord, today we ask that you would open our eyes to see that the things that we have called dead you are able to breathe life into. The relationships, the businesses, the things you've called us to do. And I pray we would take heart today, that we would be strengthened knowing that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You see the end from the beginning. And God, we just wanna say we trust your plan. We trust your timing. We look to you, God, and help us to face every impossibility knowing that you're with us and you're for us and there's a great purpose. And I just want to take a moment, if you're here today and you're not sure about your relationship with God, I just want to give you an opportunity because that's the most important decision that you could ever make. And just in this moment of prayer with no one looking around, if you say, Pastor Dave, pray for me. I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I just want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. On the count of three, you can just raise your hand. One, two, three. God bless you. I see so many hands. God bless you guys. Thank you for your honesty. That's great. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I see you even in the back. God bless you. God bless you guys. God bless you. It's wonderful. Thank you for your honesty. Those of you who raised your hands, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray these words after me. You can pray them out loud. Let them come from your heart straight to God. In fact, we're all going to pray together to support those making this decision. Just pray this. Say, Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Now pray this. Say, Jesus, I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Now pray this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I place it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Wow, what an amazing message. I hope that God is speaking to you. Maybe he's stirring some things in your heart, even in this moment. If that is you, we have a host team right now, if you're watching this live, that would love nothing more than to just pray with you, to stand in faith for whatever impossibility that you're facing in life, to, that we would really come before God and, and come together in faith as a church family and pray for those things in Jesus' name.
Maybe you're out there and you're committing your life to Jesus right now for the very first time, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. If that is you, I just want to say congratulations. I believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And as a church family, man, we're cheering you on, we're celebrating with you, and we believe that it's not just the finish line, it's the starting line, and you're starting an amazing life of walking with Jesus for the rest of your life. And as a church family, we'd love to just walk with you, to help you and to partner with you on this new life with Jesus. So if you made that decision today, why don't you text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. And we'd love to just follow up with you, put some resources in your hand and really help you as you're beginning this new life with Jesus. Well, with that, our service is coming to a close, but you're not gonna wanna miss church next weekend as we kick off our brand new series. Can't wait to see what God's gonna speak to all of us during that new series. Bring somebody with you, and we'll see you at church next weekend. Same time, same place. See you soon.